Hey, it's Luke Burbank. This is Livewire Radio. We're backstage at Revolution Hall, and we've got a great show coming up for you. We've got Anna Sale here from the Death, Sex, and Money podcast. We've got Sean Rao with some great music, and we've got the official advice giver for this country. We have Amy Dickinson here from the Ask Amy column. Amy, our theme is unmentionables. And you have to be really honest with people who write and ask uh, advice of you, but you can't just like give them both barrels all the time, right? You have to kind of edit yourself. Sometimes people deserve to get kicked in the ass, and so yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it! Like would Ann Landers have done that? Yeah, she was probably a little less profane and idiotic than I am, but... You're not worried that describing yourself as profane and idiotic <laughs> undermines your, your like advice cred? Well, nobody's going to listen to this, right? I mean, isn't that... You know what? Those That was the old ratings. <laughs> we have really picked up some listeners, Amy, so bring your A-game out there, okay? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, good. Well, let's go do it. From PRI Public Radio International, it's... Live Wire! Recorded in front of a live audience at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon, it's Live Wire with Ask Amy columnist Amy Dickinson sex, death, and money host, Anna Sale, with music from Sean Rao and our fabulous house band. And now, the host of Livewire, former assistant manager of the Unmentionables counter at Mervyn's in Bothell, Washington, Luke Burbank! Thank you, announcer Jason Rouse. Thanks, everybody, for coming here to Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. Our theme this hour is unmentionables. We've got Amy Dickinson on the show of the Ask Amy advice column. She handles a lot of topics that people don't like to talk about in polite company. We've got a woman named Anna Sale who hosts a great podcast called Death, Sex, and Money. Speaking of things that don't get talked about a lot, at least on public radio, uh, there was a time in my life in my early 20s where I, I set out to become a public radio sports reporter. Which is like saying you're trying to become a sex blogger for the Mormon church. It's not really what we're known for. But I managed to get a, a, an NPR sports show to buy off on a story I pitched them about the baseball player Alex Rodriguez. And this was uh, when Alex Rodriguez was in his second year playing for the Seattle Mariners. And he was playing amazingly. I think we now know why. <laughs> Just tremendous number of illegal drugs coursing through his body. But at that time, it was amazing. He was playing so well. And in fact, the team was in contention to win their division towards the end of the season. And so the plan was I was going to go to a Mariners game. I was going to interview Alex Rodriguez and some of the other players. And I was also going to interview the manager of the team at that time, a very gruff guy named Lou Pinella. <laughs> Lou Pinella's nickname was Sweet Lou, but that was one of those ironic nicknames, like a 6'8 guy who we call Tiny. He was really <laughs> terrifying. And so I got all ready to do my little story, and I got a press pass. They misspelled it. They wrote NBR on the press pass. <laughs> they weren't super familiar with what we're doing over here in public radio. I think there was somebody from the high school paper who had a better seat than me in the press box. <laughs> if you want to know what the pecking order was. But it was cool. I was in the game. And uh, they lose. 
And I go down to the locker room after the game, and everybody from the team, including Lou Pinella, is furious. And I'm way too afraid to go up and talk to any of them. But I think, no problem. They're playing nine games at home. So I'll just wait till they win a game. Everyone's happy. I'll go get my interview. They lost the next game. They lost the next game. They lost the next game. They lost eight games in a row. This woman's allergic to hearing about the 1996 Mariners and their problems at the end of the season. And I don't blame you one bit. It was, it was terrible to watch. And every night I would go to the game and they would lose and I would go down to the locker room and I would stand by Lou Pinella's office too afraid to go in and ask him about Alex Rodriguez. So finally, it's the last game of the homestand. They have effectively played themselves out of contention. Their whole season has now crumbled over the course of two weeks. And amazingly, they win this game, but it's basically meaningless. And I realize this is my last chance to get this quote from Lou Pinella. The editor from NPR told me, if you don't have Lou Pinella in the story, you don't have a story. So I go into the locker room and I walk towards Lou Pinella's office, which is this tiny little office in the bowels of the kingdom. And I go into his office and there's all these other reporters in there. They're grown men, right? Like they cover the team for years and they're terrified of him. And the reason, among other reasons, is because he's sitting there behind a desk with no shirt on <laughs> and no pants on. And he's smoking a cigarette and drinking a Bud Light. And we're just all in this tiny office watching him smoke this cigarette. <laughs> because we're all too afraid <laughs> to say anything because he's that mad. And I realize that if I don't do this right now in this moment, if I don't get this quote, I don't have a story. My whole sports reporting life is hanging by this one moment. So I summon up all my courage and I say, um, Skip. And that's what you call baseball managers. This is a real thing. They always call them Skip. It's just kind of a, you know, I don't know, little thing they do. And I thought maybe that would kind of get me in. But then the fact that my voice cracked while I was saying it <laughs> probably didn't help. He's like, uh, Skip, um, do you want to talk about uh, the contribution uh, Alex Rodriguez has made this season? Which was like asking somebody to talk about the makeup job that the funeral home did on their dead grandmother. <laughs> it was not the thing Lou Pinella was really focusing on at that moment in his life. And he just looks at me, and he pushes his chair back, and he gets up. And he starts walking around the desk in these tattered tidy whities <laughs> And as he's coming towards me, all of the other reporters are backing up. <laughs> and I realize, this is how I'm going to die. <laughs> and the last thing that my brain will have seen is Lou Pinella's testicles <laughs> through the holes in his underwear because I'm staring right at him. <laughs> and he comes over, and he puts his arm around me, and he goes, not tonight, kid. Not tonight. <laughs> and I never filed the story, and I never became a sports reporter, but I will never forget Lou Pinella's unmentionables. And I'm pretty happy I ended up here. So let's get our first guest out here, all right? 
All right. Unmentionables just so happen to be our first guest's speciality. Anna Sale's amazing podcast is called Death, Sex, and Money, and it tackles all of the topics you're not supposed to discuss in polite public radio company. You've heard her on Marketplace, Fresh Air, This American Life, where, by the way, she told the story of former Republican U.S. Senator Alan Simpson saving her love life. Because, you know, that'll happen sometimes. Please welcome Anna Sale to LiveWire. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm such a fan of, of your show, Death, Sex, and Money. It's, uh, it's, it's really, really fascinating stuff. I'm wondering how the idea came to you. Uh, I was walking my dog, and my life was in a, a bit of a free fall. And I was like, huh, what am I worrying about? Kind of death, if my life is going to have purpose and meaning, sex and relationships, and whether I'm going to have a family, and money. And I was like, maybe there's a show there. <laughs> So that was pretty much how it started. I thought, if I'm worrying about this, I bet some other people are as well. What about when you march into your uh, program director's office and say, I've got just the idea. We'll talk about all the stuff that you're pretty much trying to have us not talk about <laughs> on public radio. You know, they were really actually supportive. It's, it's, it's the podcast revolution. We can talk about things that we wouldn't talk about on the broadcast signal in podcasting because people get to come and find you when it's the right time. Uh, is there an example of something that you guys have been able to put on your show that, like, your show is, is distributed by WNYC, a great public radio station in New York. Is there an example of something you guys can have on your show that they couldn't put, like, on the, the, the traditional radio airwaves? Cuss words to start. And, and, you know, kind of going into the conversation about sex in our lives. Not cuss in word a, fans. Cuss in words. The house. Nice. <laughs> Um, but, but it is like, you know, things like, things like sex, you know, and we don't talk about it in a gratuitous way on the show, but we acknowledge that sex and relationships are a part of our lives and to talk about that in a kind of more open way than, than you could on a, on a show that's kind of going out at, you know, commuting hours when kids are in the back of the minivan, um, on a podcast, you can go a little, you know, get a little edgier. Um, has it affected your actual life, all these conversations that you're having about death and sex and money? Uh, yes. Well, if you ask my partner, Arthur will often say, Anna, this is not a death, sex, and money conversation. Let's just watch <laughs> Netflix. You know, I, I like to like, go into those deep conversations. So, um, but you know, it's made me feel a lot less alone. You know, when I started the show, I was in my early 30s. I was divorced. I was trying to figure out whether I was going to have a family, what was happening with my relationship with Arthur. Senator Alan Simpson got involved, but it was, it was, um... I'm sorry, can we just... <laughs> I know a lot of people may have heard that episode of Death, Sex, and Money, or maybe the This American Life that played it. Can, I mean, can you encapsulate that story in just a few sentences? Yeah, uh, I will try. <laughs> um, Arthur and I, Arthur had, was a, is an ecologist, was working a lot in Wyoming. I was a journalist in New York City. We got to that place in a relationship where it felt like is this really going to work? Um, and I didn't think it was, so I was ready to move on. Um, and Arthur wasn't. And he kind of tried to talk with me about it, and I was like, no, no, no. And then he wrote a letter asking Alan Simpson to invite me to this 
ball in Wyoming. It's part of the story. It sounds like a fairy tale. But Arthur was getting an award, and he was. I was supposed to be his date at this ball, and then I was like, not going to be his date at the ball. Because you had to clean the whole castle, <laughs> which was so not cool of your stepmom. And then my fairy godfather, Alan Simpson, gave me a call on my cell phone because Arthur had written him a letter saying, here's the situation. I think I just... Will you, will you call Anna on my behalf and tell her that I've thought a lot about how we can be together? Because I think we can. And so Alan Simpson called me on the phone. He and his wife both sort of got on the phone. They'd been married for 60 years. Anne is his dear wife. And they talked to me about couples counseling in their own marriage, when it was tough, when they were raising their kids. They talked about you know figuring out what's the most important thing. If you love each other, you figure it out. And then Anne Simpson said to me, don't let your pride get in the way. And like, was like, whoa, I think I'll go to this ball. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went to the ball, and then we sort of figured things out from there, and now we're getting married in August. Wow. Yeah. I assume that uh, the Simpsons will be there in the front row, I hope. We, uh, we're getting married in Wyoming. Yeah, they'll be there. We're talking to Anna Sale, by the way, the host of the Death, Sex, and Money podcast from WNYC. Um, what do you think is actually the most taboo? Those are all supposed to be taboo topics, but is one in your experience now like way more awkward for people to talk about than the other? Money. Yeah. Because, I mean, sex, there's sort of a vocabulary where we know how people talk about it and a kind of, you know, how, how to evade the conversations you don't want to have. People kind of know that. But people don't ask about money. And so we're not equipped to kind of figure out, like, Ugh. Um, and I think money has so much to do with how we feel about our status in the world. You know, if we don't have enough or if we feel like we have more than we've earned on our own, um, it's hard to talk about. Should we be talking about it more? I mean, is there a... A purpose or a, is there a usefulness to us not talking about money all the time so that we can all feel like we're more or less on the same team or do we need to get over that in your opinion and just have it not be a weird like it would be very weird if everyone was talking about what they made to everybody else uh, yeah should we try to get over it or is it is it more or less okay the way it is I don't know if it's so much like that I think everyone should like disclose their salary when they introduce themselves to someone but I think that like acknowledging that there's like that constant hum about money in your life and to not have that part of our conversation uh, is like ignoring a big thing about how we make decisions. I think you are so right with that. I, you know, I grew up in a really big family and we didn't have a ton of money. And I, to this very day, and my wife will, will point this out lovingly, I have such a huge chip on my shoulder about class, about trying to figure out if somebody had it easier than I did. Uh-huh. And I, it, it's, it, it animates so much of my behavior. And maybe if I was more able to just talk about it, <laughs> I wouldn't be such a secret jerk. <laughs> you could just say, I've got you pegged as a rich kid. Let's just talk about it. Yeah, if you could just say that to someone. <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't that be off-putting? I, mean, I wonder what the diplomatic way of saying, look, let's just call it what it is. You were born on third, thought you hit a triple. Okay, and I had to ride my bike to the baseball game. So, sorry, I digressed there for a minute. Um, uh, we got to take a quick break. Stay right there, Anna Sale. We've got Anna here from the Death, Sex, and Money podcast. This is Livewire Radio from PRI. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by ErgoDepot.com, who are not kidding around when it comes to making you healthier. There are healthier ways to sit, and they've got them all. Sit-stand seating, saddle seats, kneeling chairs. If you've got to sit, shouldn't you sit healthier? We sure think so. Find out more by visiting ErgoDepot.com. 
Welcome back to Livewire Radio. Coming to you from Revolution Hall here in Portland, Oregon, by way of Public Radio International. My name is Luke Burbank. We have Anna Sale here with us. She is the host of the Death, Sex, and Money podcast. Um, you and I have known each other for uh, a while, actually. Yeah. And you seem to me to be a somewhat, uh, a, a somewhat reserved person in certain situations. Has it been hard for you to just like ask people like, how's that sex life? <laughs> or like, you look like you should be making more money. You look like you're not doing great. Like it doesn't seem like your personality to ask forward questions like you do. You do a great job at it though. Well, I don't ask them in that way, Luke. Oh, well, I, great. This is like community college radio class I went to. I'm asking the questions wrong. <laughs> No, I think it's like, I mean, I am, my personality just is to observe, but it's to kind of be curious. So I was a reporter before I was hosting this podcast. And so it's, it's, so the questions are sort of like, well, tell me what that was like. So it comes out of curiosity and I, I think doesn't come across as like aggressive. <laughs> I guess how's your sex life is a little blunt is a way of asking. Um, how do you approach these people? Like, where do you find them? All over. I mean, it's, it is, you know, when you're writing the email, hey, we, uh, this is a show called Death, Sex, and Money. Want to come on and talk about those things? And it'll be recorded and people will listen to it. Um, that's a bit of a hurdle. But to say that the tagline for the show is the things we think about a lot and need to talk about more. And so we sort of, you know, the pitches, these are things we're all thinking about. Um, and so we pitch celebrity guests, we pitch people who aren't famous and say, this is what we want to talk to you, want to talk about, and this is why we want to talk to you about it. Um, and so it, I think, you know, people respond to that. Oh, you think I've gone through something that's going to be instructive. Do you have a favorite moment so far? Uh, yeah, I have, um, uh, this is, it, it was, I was interviewing the actress Ellen Burstyn, uh -huh. uh, who is a beautiful woman. Um, and I interviewed her in her apartment in New York, and there was a moment when I asked her about when she first realized that she was getting male attention for her looks, and I asked her if she felt, if that made her feel powerful or if that made her feel scared, and she paused, and then she went on to explain that she felt neither powerful nor scared. She felt like she needed it because she didn't have a great relationship with her father. What do you say to that? I sort of let it, you know. And then you say, tell, you know, tell me more about that. And then she described how that had sort of informed the entire way she'd structured her career, which was she could have been this blonde starlet early on, but she studied at the actor's studio and was intent on making a career for herself where she was a serious actor, and she's continuing to act to this day into her 80s. So it doesn't um, make you feel super awkward when somebody says something and you let a silence occur? Or is that a personality thing? Like, is that just a space you're comfortable in? Or have you been training yourself? I think it's interesting. Like, you know, you learn early on in radio that someone is going to fill the space. And as an interviewer, you don't want to be the one filling that space. You want the person who you want to know more about to fill that space. Doesn't Ira Glass have a, a technique that he perfected, which was... At the, he'd be, I'm you know, doing this from, from memory, which uh, has been addled by a lot of gin, I'm not going to lie to you, and that's just tonight. Um, he, if, you know, he would let somebody say all the stuff they'd planned on saying, and then at the very end of the interview, he'd just sit there 
quietly and awkwardly until they filled the space and usually said something they weren't meaning to say, which was actually the interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that that happens. And then it's also, you know, in that situation, it's like the person's feeling like, oh, God, does Iron Glass think I didn't say anything interesting? I need to say the thing that, like, maybe I've been, you know, trying not to say so boldly, and I'm just going to say it boldly at the end of the interview. Um, well, Anna, we are so happy that you're here, and because you host a show called Death, Sex, and Money, we would figure that you've actually picked up some information about those topics. Is that <laughs> accurate? Would you say you've, you've been learning about those, those various subjects? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say no, because we made this whole damn quiz about it, and it would be one of those awkward moments you love if you said no and then just left the stage. So, all right. So here's the uh, quiz we've come up for you. It's called Stuff You Will Never Need to Know About Death, Sex, and Money. And we've got some questions here. And if you, <laughs> if you answer the quiz to answer. my satisfaction, you will win this amazing prize. The book is Rated X, The Mitchell Brothers' True Story of Sex, Money, and Death. It is the story of the guys who made the movie Behind the Green Door. Ooh. Their rise in the pornography industry and their descent into lives of alcoholism and violence. <laughs> Plain reading. So anyway, we've got questions. You're like playing to not win this book. You're playing to not have to check this book when you fly back to New York tomorrow. All right. Um, donate it to charity. A really sexy charity that wants X-rated books. So here we go. These are some questions about death, sex, and money. First of all, the category is death. Who invented the electric chair? Was it A, a patent clerk, B, an electrician, or C, a dentist? C. You are absolutely right. A dentist. Yeah, you can applaud. We were going to have sound effects, but we spent all the money on this book. So if you guys want to just be like a ding and then a buzzer or whatever. I don't know. You guys work it out. We're open sourcing a lot of this radio show now. <laughs> Alfred P. Southwick was a dentist from Buffalo, New York. He invented the electric chair. Wow. One for one. You're getting ever closer to owning this All book, right. Anna. Here in the category of sex is question number two. Uh, one, uh, one other body part besides the genitals. Uh, what do you guys call those? Genitals or genitals? <laughs> I went to a Christian school, <laughs> so we were fuzzy on some of the details. Okay. One other body part besides the genitals and the breasts swells during intercourse. Ooh. Is it A, the brain, B, the inner nose, or C, the gums? Oh, Please Lord. don't let it be gums. <laughs> um, let's see. The Other than the genitals. I think it's the inner nose. B. You're absolutely right, Anna Sale. You do know your stuff. The inner nose is made of a similar erectile tissue as the penis. In women also? Great question, Anna. <laughs> I am going to ask our research department, which is me, so that's not good. All right, have we done money yet? Here's a money question for you. Which first lady was the first to appear on U.S. currency? Huh. This is not multiple choice. 
U.S. currency. Dolly Madison? Great guess, but wrong. It was Martha Washington. The $1 silver certificate in 1886. I can't believe you didn't know that. Way to go, Martha. I didn't know that. Yeah, let's give her a round of applause. All right, and last but not least, in the uh, sex department and a sale. There's an extra sex question. Oh, we have, no joke, we have like eight sex questions I'm not even asking. Our writers need um, a hobby besides writing extra sex questions. Here's one. Uh, What is the best-selling flavor of edible underwear? Cherry. That's what I would have guessed, but let me give you your options first. Is it A, chocolate, B, cherry, or C, quinoa and lentil? A, chocolate. You are absolutely wrong. It's cherry. I'm sorry. According to a survey of sex shop employees, it is in fact cherry. Chocolate is the least successful for obvious reasons. So, um, I guess we've really given you something to think about on your flight back to New York. Anna, you've been a delight. You've won the book. Thank you so much for being on LiveWire. Thank you. That's Anna Sale. That was Anna Sale. Her show is Death, Sex, and Money. And you're listening to LiveWire. We're talking about unmentionables this week on the show. And, of course, one of those is death. We just talked about that with Anna Sale a moment ago. Our own head writer, Courtney Hameister, it turns out, thinks about death a lot. And she's here with some of just a few of those thoughts. These are about the afterlife. Please welcome LiveWire's head writer, Courtney Hameister, to the stage. to do before I die. Um, I don't have a 401k yet. Uh, I actually don't even really understand the concept of the 401k. So the first thing on the list is find out what a 401k is or does. Um, I've also never jumped out of a plane or spoken fluently in another language or taught the world to sing in perfect harmony. So I've got some scrambling to do in the next 40 years or 20. It could be two weeks. I'm a really bad driver. Uh, but as a person who fears death in every, in sort of an everyday lion bed and abject terror, thinking about the odds of an asteroid hitting the Earth kind of way, the biggest task on my list is choosing my afterlife or lack thereof. My mother was raised with Christianity forced upon her, and so she claimed to want my brother and I to decide for ourselves. She thought that that meant that we'd spend Sundays studying different religions and weighing the pros and cons, but what it actually meant for us was sleeping in, watching Soul Train, and becoming increasingly insecure about our sense of rhythm. (laughs) So I never chose a religion, and if I don't choose one now, I'll be one of those people who panics at the last minute and calls in a priest to do last rites just in case hell exists, so I'll spend my last moments on Earth as a wishy-washy spiritual hedge better, and then if I do enter heaven, I can just see the angels like shaking their heads and with their arms crossed and just mouthing poser. You know, like maybe there's some special section of heaven reserved for last minute Lindas like me. It's like really far away from the throne of God and it's got a no host bar and no ranch with your fries kind of situation. 
And that would be terrible, so I really have to figure this out. So I did a little bit of research on the afterlife according to a few different religions to see how I'd like to spend my eternity. And Islam's eternity, jana, sounds amazing. Um, according to the Quran, you get unlimited wealth, all your wishes fulfilled, and unlimited food of your choice. I would choose a chocolate fountain and bottomless blooming onions, uh, but I'm not sure they have an outback steakhouse at jana. That might have to be worked out. Um, you're also, you're reunited with your friends and family, and you can eat and drink all you want and never get full or hungover which sounds perfect, right? But before buying into that, I would want to know which friends and family, because I have had family reunions with unlimited ambrosia before, and they were not heavenly. Additionally, it is a myth that the Quran promises 72 virgins to anyone, which is great, because 72 virgins sounds miserable. They have no idea what they're doing, and who wants to spend eternity training them? And how does it work? Like, are they eternally virgins, or do they have sex with you and then re-virginize themselves, thereby forgetting everything you just taught them, which sounds like hell? But apparently, the deal is everyone just gets a few virgins, but... To that, I'd also say no thank you, so I think jhanas uh, not for me. Um, there are various Eastern religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, and Rosicrucians. Uh, they subscribe to the idea of reincarnation. And this is where you continue to develop spiritually through many lives in the physical world, and you accrue a higher consciousness through each new life if you do things right. And this sounds really nice, but I feel like I'm gonna be so tired at the end of this life that starting all over again as a dumb kid who thinks John Travolta's a good singer sounds exhausting. <laughs> Additionally, the Rosicrucians have a brief review period at the end of each life, followed by a judgment. Can you imagine the humiliation you'd feel while creating your own existential PowerPoint? Uh, yeah, here we see on slide 6,758, the time I called my friend Melissa Monica while giving her wedding toast. Also, please note the mango salsa stain on my bridesmaid's dress. Uh, this segues nicely into section two. Next slide, please. Uh, moments when I had food somewhere on my face or body without my knowledge. <laughs> so yeah, reincarnation, not for me. Um, and I've already talked a bit about Christian heaven. Uh, the Bible claims there will be no more pain or death or mourning, which sounds great, but also that there are streets of gold that are like transparent glass, which sounds like a hip injury just waiting to happen, so I'm not sure that'll work. Also, the angels surrounding the throne of God are apparently singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God continuously throughout your heavenly stay. And I'm sure it's lovely, but in ninth grade, I played Careless Whisper over a hundred times in one day. So I can say with authority that even if it's totally your jam, nobody wants to hear holy, holy, holy for eternity. But the kicker on this one is that the Bible also says that heaven is filled with righteous Christians, and if that means I'll be surrounded by people who would refuse to bake my friends a cake for their wedding, I think that's out for me. Um, and so, and I know I seem picky, uh, but deciding where you spend eternity and who you spend it with is an important decision. Uh, for me, it would look like the beach in Florida where I spent my childhood summers without actually being in Florida. Um, I could have vats of my mom's potato salad and still love my body. Everyone I've ever loved would be there and we'd all look like the best picture we've ever taken and be trapped for eternity in the moment we loved each other the most, like an emotional Kodachrome. If I can find that heaven, that's the God I'll believe in. 
And if I die in the interim, I suppose I'm going where all indecisive people go, some version of purgatory that looks like the world's largest cereal aisle where there are 675 different kinds of cornflakes and we have an eternity to decide which coupon to use. Which may not sound like fun, but at least there won't be any virgins there. That would be horrible. That's Courtney Hommeister. This is a live wire radio. We're so glad you're here with us. This week, our musical guest voice is so deep and resonant, it almost sounds like he's singing in slow motion. Or maybe he just slows down our perception of him somehow using brainwaves or possibly a laser. Either way, it's an amazing trick. His latest record, Madman, hypnotically marries folk, soul, R&B, and a bunch of other cool stuff. Please welcome Sean Rao to Live Wire.
Sean Rao right here on Livewire Radio. Speaking of Livewire Radio, it's brought to you in part by Whole Foods Market featuring cage-free eggs because eggs need room to roll and also wobble <laughs> periodically. Whole Foods Market, values matter. More information can be found at wholefoodsmarket.com. We're talking about unmentionables this week. The things you're not supposed to talk about, like that time you were on Tinder and noticed your friend had a profile up, your friend who's married with three kids, or that other time when you really wanted to stop going to your dentist because his breath was like that Smaug dragon from Lord of the Rings, but you couldn't because he's your brother-in-law. Thankfully, our next guest has all the answers to life's little unmentionable problems. Amy Dickinson's advice column, Ask Amy, is carried by over 200 newspapers, she also appears regularly on TV and radio, including Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, where she has defeated me 14 straight times. <laughs> Not that I'm counting. Please welcome Amy Dickinson to Live Wire. Well, hello. Hi, hello, Amy. Portland. Wow, this is awesome. Um, how did you get the job of being uh, America's advice giver? Um, well, you remember Ann Landers. Yes, absolutely. I know. After I killed her. Mm -hmm. I, I know. But, you know, it doesn't leave this room. I, yeah. Um, but after her death, yeah. uh, the Chicago Tribune, basically, they did a search. It's sort of like an old-fashioned, like, the star broke her ankle. And they basically did a, a national search for a replacement, not that anyone could replace her, but they wanted to launch a new column to replace that legendary column. And I tried out. It was crazy. It was just like an old Busby Berkeley production number. Seriously. What was the uh, question or questions that you were answering? There were about 10 of us who they had decided could try out, and they gave us each five questions, all that had apparently at one time or another appeared in an Ann Landers column. And I honestly, they, they told, uh, I was told to take a week to answer these five questions. And I thought, well, heck, you know, I was kind of in between jobs and I did it very quickly. I did it basically in an afternoon. And the editor said, no, 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 take a week. And I thought, you know, given a week, I'd just screw it up. Huh. So <laughs> I said, no, this is, this is it. And I knew. I, I, felt, I felt I'd really nailed, really? nailed it. Yeah, totally. Dear Abby, I have a coworker <laughs> who's very cocky. Exactly. Her name is Amy Dickinson. <laughs> she so, thinks that she nails everything. Well, afterwards, they, they told me that actually the, there was one very clear first choice among all of these nine focus groups. 
And um, the number one choice was to bring Ann Landers back. <laughs> and once that was ruled out, I, I came in second and I got it. I got the gig. Did yeah. you feel like you were a good <laughs> advice giver uh, long before that? Were you like in high school, no. college? Were you like having, you know, were you a good shoulder to cry on? No, I actually think in a way it's the opposite. I'm the youngest in a large family, and I think in many ways I, I, I'm much more likely to ask for advice than to give it. And I, I was so messed up, I think I had actually received a ton of great advice over the years, and I had a lot of respect for it. So I would not, I don't think anybody I went to high school with would have said, oh yeah, she's totally going to do that. No. Are you good at taking advice? I think so. I, I, I genuinely solicit advice, and I do follow it. A lot of people solicit advice, and then they don't listen to it. Yeah, what do you do about those people, by the way? I don't mean you personally, but just how should we handle that? Because everybody has that friend who's constantly asking you for advice, and then they do the exact opposite. Well, I know. It happens all the time. So what, what you might say is, well... What do you think I would say? You know, you, you just start tossing it back at them because people don't listen. And so if you find that somebody's asking you the same thing over and over, and you say, well, you've asked me that before, or this seems to come up a lot, so what do you think I would say, or what do you think you should do? And just stop going there, honestly. Do you I'm on the clock, baby. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, right. It's like... <laughs> Advice is money. Yeah. <laughs> Don't waste my time. Yeah, and by the way, you know, I, I work, um, I have an office in Chicago, but I spend most of my time in my hometown in upstate New York where I'm from. And that Lou Pinella story, right? Yeah. That's kind of how I work. Like, cigar. <laughs> Just tattered, you know. tattered tidy whities <laughs> menacing your husband Bruno. That's right. That's right. Uh, we have Amy Dickinson here. <laughs> Ask Amy is the column. Wait, wait, don't tell me. CBS Sunday Morning. Lots of places you can find her. Um, you do have a large mixed family. You have children. Your husband has children. Um, how does the advice giving go over in that whole well, world? Well, you can imagine how Great. much. Um, one challenge when we got married, uh, we blended five daughters into a family. And I Nothing know, complicated like, there. Oh. Yeah. And Were they out of Wolverines? <laughs> That's right. We knit them together, yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I tried to be pretty low-key in those first years and not to let them see my true judgy self. Um, and then they just got used to me. Do you think part of how you were able to do this, though, with the, the children that your husband brought into the relationship was being low-key at first? I feel like there's a lot of people hearing this who are in similar situations. Mm -hmm. how, are you, how should one navigate that kind of situation? Is it to come in? Is it like prison? You come in, you find the meanest guy, and you beat him up on right. day one? Right, you want to establish your primacy. Or do you just lay in the cut like it sounds like you did? Well... And I moved into the household, and I was like Maria Von Trapp with my little valise. You know, I brought nothing with me, and I was very... I just slid in, you know? And I... And this really is the way to go with stepchildren, especially. You want to establish a friendship. And that's what I worked on. And uh, I think that... And honestly, I got that from a book. I read a book about it. <laughs> um, and that comes from being an advice columnist and doing a lot of research. And it made a lot of sense to me that a step-parent 
should not try to come in and discipline and, you know, be this huge presence. And I was, you know, in the background, like, with my fingers, you know, um, really nervously knitting my brow. But I mainly uh, kept my trap shut for once in my life. I know. Is that, I did like, it. the biggest piece of advice that really all of us yeah, can take it. about almost everything in life is just shut your yapper. Yeah, and you know what's... Here's what I tell myself, because I, I have a big mouth. So what I tell myself is, I can always say that later. You know, I just delay. It's sort of like, oh, I could have that piece of pie later. I think of something awesome, and I think, oh, I, I'm going to put that in the bank. I can always bring it out later. That's what I try to do. I know. Everything I'm thinking of no. could be said later. <laughs> so I'm just really starting to question how I've been hosting this show for all these years. We've got Amy Dickinson here of Ask Amy. And uh, you are listening, by the way, to Livewire. Uh, we'd like to mention something that is quite mentionable, and that is our podcast. If you subscribe over at iTunes, each show will quietly creep into your device <laughs> in the dark of night when you're sleeping. And it'll be waiting when you wake up. As a terrible sales pitch for this podcast. Uh, that, uh, just like my first husband. No, just kidding. That's right. More information on our podcast and Amy's first husband at <laughs> iTunes or LiveWireRadio.org. All right, Amy, we have you here, and we would be remiss if we did not allow our audience to, to ask you for your advice on oh, some wow. important personal matters. Okay, this would be... A waste of your talents if we, if we let you go without doing that. Well, but they're, they're obviously very dysfunctional. That, right. you know, that, that I can tell. They've so. stayed through this entire show, right. which is probably in the DSM somewhere <laughs> as a diagnosable situation. Um, the problem, though, is that we kind of have our own, like, advice guru here, Sean McGrath, one of our actors and writers. Mm. So we thought maybe we could... Whoa, this is like a smackdown. This is... Well, I mean, you're the best in the business. This guy? He, ha he wants to get a shot at the title. All right. You need to stop ducking him like Mayweather Pacquiao. you got to beat the champ. That's right. Whoa. So we thought, with Sean here, the challenger, and Amy, you the recognized heavyweight champion, we thought we'd pitch you guys in something we're calling Advice Thunderdome. the Inagata DeVita of intro songs. <laughs> we have uh, uh, questions that have been supplied by our audience. These are real questions from real audience members. We will be posing these questions to both of you. I'm going to be grading your answers. Oh, gosh. And I rule with an iron whim. <laughs> so be ready. Uh, the best piece of advice to each uh, question, that will win that round. Uh, the prize tonight, actually, Sean, I believe yeah. you brought it out. Um, is a, uh, what, what do you got here? Describe it for the radio audience. It is a uh, white t-shirt, very deep V-neck. <laughs> that is a, quite the deep V. And it reads, uh, nobody likes a know-it-all. <laughs> and I believe it is uh, large-sized, so okay. you have some room to grow. Yeah. So, so there you go, yeah. we've got that That's covered. All. Okay, here we go. These are real questions from our audience. Um, question number one, listener Parnell, I believe. Amy. 
Why can't I get into Lena Dunham? Oh, really? Well, you'd be the only one that didn't. And no, you're going to cut that. Come on. Come on. We're all adults. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> so that's your answer? Yeah, that's it. Okay, that's yeah. pretty good. It's actually pretty strong. Uh, Sean McGrath. <clears throat> um, because you recognize that she's overrated? Ooh. I'm going to give this round to uh, Amy. Just there was a little more nuance, but it was no less. But it was no less hurtful. So a, I liked that she was able to bring both of those things in. Is it a bad time to announce our next guest is Lena Dunham? <laughs> um, here's a, another question. Uh, this is maybe the most Portland question I've ever seen in my life. We'll start with you, Sean McGrath. Yeah. In my community garden plot, how do I politely police my marijuana crop? <laughs> um, well, I think you're going to have to do a lot of smudging to kind of mark your territory. Uh, you want to walk through your territory when there's all the other gardeners there. Um, be preaching the Nyam Nyiho Renyikyo from Buddhism. And get like cedar, maybe some um, lavender or sweet grass. Uh, definitely some sage, and just kind of walk around and make sure that they know that if they mess with you, you're gonna, they're going to get the horns. What was wow. that thing you're supposed to say? Okay, I want to make sure we're thinking of the same thing. Yeah. Um, okay, good. Uh, that's a strong answer, wow. McGrath. Uh, Amy, Wow. Um, what would you say? Politely. So this is somebody who's afraid that somebody's going to, like, bogart their plants? Yes, exactly. Um, okay. All right. I was thinking more surveilling, but I, I don't know. I don't Sean's, think so. Yeah, that's not very polite. So does it make any difference? This person is between the age of fifty and fifty-nine. Um, in that case, I think you know a lawn chair and <laughs> just constant um, surveillance is called for. I'm going to give that one to Sean just oh, yeah. because he said that thing that yeah. was what again? I'll have two stars. Sometimes three stars is too, it's Means too hot. I love this is, you. Yeah. Oh. She knows. Well, now it's, it's on, a tie. This is, on a, hey, this is on a curve, right? Yeah. This grading? Good. Yeah. Okay, right now it's one to one. All right? Yeah, here's another one. Uh, we'll start with Amy. I am considering sexting with my wife to spice things up a little. How do I do this exactly? Should I have some dirty phrases already written out? Or uh, save some pictures of my naughty parts? Signed, Luke. Uh, no. What's great is this person crossed their secret identity out three different times, and they landed on Joe. Uh, Amy, what, uh, what should Joe do? Well, if you're going to write out your your sex, why don't you just like show that to your wife? And if you're going to photograph your parts, you could just show, I don't know, why, why cut out the middleman. Or cut out the NSAs. I think yeah. that's yeah. Not to mention, that just eats your data. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many gigs you're on, but yeah. forget yeah. it. Particularly depending on I, how yeah, hung the guy yeah, is. Yeah, if you yeah, need yeah. two photos, that's going to yeah. take up a lot. Yeah. Really? Okay. Uh, Sean, basically it sounds like Amy's saying maybe, maybe keep it IRL instead of virtual. That's, that's the gist of your yeah. advice. You know what? I think that's just a little bit of an old-fashioned response. I think texting is the name of the game now, and I think you've got to adapt. 
I think you got to turn off autocorrect. That's your number one thing. <laughs> you don't so someone you, to you don't want someone to schmalt your no no Victoria. You're not gonna get to bucking later. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely turn off autocorrect. Double check, triple check before it goes out. Maybe put it down for a minute, walk around the room, and then when you come back and look at it and go, yeah, I'm ready to go. Then you go ahead and hit send. Like a waiting period for buying a gun. Yeah, yeah. or yeah, like a tattoo that you're unsure about. Right. Yeah, it's kind of... You know what? I'm sorry, Amy, but i got to give that one to Sean. Man, that was practical. Sean. That was practical. We have... He, uh, he's, Smokes. He's on my turf now. There we, are no rules in the Thunderdome, is what that's I'm one of the I understand. main things about... Th- except that Tina Turner is going to sing a song at the end. Um... <laughs> Last question for you guys. <laughs> this is our uh, advice of Thunderdome. Amy Dickinson of Ask Amy and Sean McGrath of Drinking in the Green Room oh, yeah. oh, are out oh, here yeah. taking on these questions. If Brian asks me to marry him, should I do it just for the health insurance? Signed, Barbara. Someone is having a talk on the ride home from the show tonight. Uh, Sean McGrath, we'll start with I you. I would say hold off until the election. And if they repeal Obamacare, then yes, definitely yes. Go for the insurance, hook, line, and sinker, especially if there's dental. But, I mean, if you can, if you can kind of, you know, just go uh, sort of health share of Oregon or something like that in the meantime, then, you know, keep getting that sweet free milk from, uh, from Brian there. That was very specific. It was I know. like he I'm went not... into the insurance code of, of the state of Oregon. Yeah. Well, it's also specific to Brian and Barbara. <laughs> yeah. I'm nervous about these names. I hope to God this is... People have been using uh, I know. fake names. Uh, Amy Dickinson, And so the question think? was from should, Barbara... If Brian should... asks me to marry him, should I do it just for the health insurance? Uh, there are worse reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and that goes to Amy Dickinson, bringing wow. us to a tie... Which is a very Portland outcome. It means you guys share co-visitation of the t-shirt. Yeah. We don't keep track in Little League and we have ties. That's right. So I want you to mail the shirt back and forth. Amy Dickinson, Sean McGrath, thank you so much. Your guys' advice has been eye-opening tonight. Livewire Radio is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines, now featuring nonstop flights from Portland to St. Louis, Missouri. Now you can get from the Gateway Arch to the Gateway to Gluten-Free Living. Nonstop. More information on how Alaska helps you stay connected at alaskaair.com. All right, please welcome back to the stage, Sean Rao. Oh, that spawn, that spawn, yeah. Oh, that spawn, that spawn. 
Just another spoon of that precious love Good enough for me Some of the lies about bedroom Some of the cries about bedroom Some of the guys about bedroom Oh, that spoon, that spoon, that spoon, yeah Oh, that spoon, that spoon, that spoon, yeah Oh, that spoon, that spoon, that spoon, yeah Everybody fed nobody's Sean Rao right here on Livewire Radio. Thank you so much. And on that note. What did you learn about uh, unmentionables? Well, I, here's the thing. Um, in, the, in the quiz with, uh, that, about the, the genitals and the breasts and the other body part that yeah. or Swell. genitals. Yeah. yeah, they're called genitals. Genitals. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with the knowledge that the nose... What am I going to do with that? Right. Have I you don't been know ignoring... if I can like, take advantage of it at the appropriate time. I think it's too weird. And now that's all I'm going to think about. Yeah. When I'm intimate. Yeah. Be it alone or... <laughs> yeah. With another party. I'm just going to be wanting to just... Yeah. Sneak a finger. <laughs> you're going to do it tonight. Don't even pretend like you're not. What about you, my friend? This is why we edit these shows. I know. Moments just like this. I, yeah, I've avoided jail so many times. Yeah, you may have run out of luck. Uh, well, 
I think my big takeaway is that we can uh, we can call off the search for the uh, murderer of Ann Landers. Yeah. Turns out it was Amy Dickinson. Exactly. She was hiding in plain sight. Exactly. This whole time. So constables are backstage. Case closed. All right, that's our show for the night. Thank you so much. We'll see you next Thank week. Thank you. Our thanks to our guests, Anna Sale, Amy Dickinson, and Sean Rapp. This show is made possible in part by our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, Ergo Depot, and Alaska Airlines. Hotel accommodations generously provided by the Hotel Deluxe. Robin Tenenbaum is the executive producer and co-creator of Livewire. Courtney Hommeister is head writer and producer. Jim Brunberg is producer and member of our house band, along with Jonathan Newsom, Dave Jorgensen, and Ben Landsberg. Jason Rouse is associate producer and part of our writing team, along with Alex Falcone and Sean McGrath. We say farewell this week to Graham Nystrom, our technical director. Our house sound by D. Neil Blake. Lighting by Jillian Tablet. Photography by Jenny Baker. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council, Meyer Memorial Trust, the Oregon Arts Commission, the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation, the Maybell Clark McDonald Fund, the Oregon Community Foundation. Work for Art, the Multnomah County Culture Coalition, and listeners like you find beautiful people. For more information about the show or becoming a member of LiveWire, visit LiveWireRadio.org. You can download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and find us on Twitter and Facebook at LiveWire Radio. I'm Luke Burbank. We'll see you next week. PRI Public Radio International.